Hey guys, it's Dave Chang here, host of The Dave Chang Show. You might hear me on with Chris Yang, Noel Cornelio, and a host of other guests. We've been on air for quite some time now, and it's changed over the years. But one of the things we always try to talk about is what's delicious, how to be a better eater. And you might hear me rambling incoherently, contradicting myself every five minutes. We talk about some sports and culture and all kinds of other things, too. I think we're the the most expert opinions you'll ever hear about anything. Check us out if you haven't before on the Ringer Podcast Network. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly, Ben Solek, and Craig Krolbeck, and we're coming to you every Tuesday and Thursday to talk everything NFL Draft. Today, well, today is Wednesday, April 13th. You're listening to this on Thursday, April 14th, which means... Don't, don't tell me is, what I'm doing. I'm my own man. You know, you don't You think it's going to be like Friday or Saturday? Yeah. Who knows? We'll listen whenever I dang well, People please. can save it for the weekend. Well, a fact is that Thursday when we're releasing this is two weeks to the day from the NFL draft. But guess what? The draft Whoa. goes Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So any of those days you're listening to it Fair. is two weeks from the NFL draft. So how about that, Solak? Oh, you got me there. I cannot cover a, a I, lot I of bases. time. Yeah. You didn't see that coming. It's so facto. So when we're two weeks out from the draft, I'm not going to lie. DK and Solak are draft experts here. They get a little itchy. They've been talking about the draft for a long time, and they want to veer off course. They want to start talking about weird guys. DK's big board's going to go to 100. He wants to start talking about third rounders. DK and, and I were we... texting about Bo Melton the other day. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Want and to do Danny a Bo Gray. Melton talk? Yeah. Couple, you ever uh, heard of Bailey like Zappi out of Western Kentucky? Is that where he's from? Okay, well, uh, Bailey Zappi's actually kind of cool. He's a good man. <laughs> but we, this is actually, we're going to rein him in, and we're like, oh, no, 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 hold on. Most people are actually coming into the draft right now. And so we wanted to kind of do spark notes. Now, for everyone who's kind of tuning in now, this is the spark notes NFL draft for dummies, like those books they used to sell. Kind of that seems demeaning. It's kind of it's like the questions your dad is going to ask you. That's and we really actually it. tried to ask our dad's questions to see what they we wanted did. To know. Yeah, <laughs> Ben's dad had a very incisive uh, uh, question. Uh, it's pretty pretty classic. My dad question, where he was just like, "Hey." 
how does the draft work, right? Like, that's what's, what's the deal here. The question was verbatim. Uh, I've always wondered how a team evaluates the merit of a player in light of physical ability against behavioral red flags mm. or vice versa, dot, dot, dot. Actually, four dots. Adam Schefter Ellipses there. Ooh, uh, Adam Schefter Ellipses. Uh, strong character, but not top of physical ability metrics. So that sounds like NFL draft questions for smarties. For We're experts. Do NFL, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's like experts. That, that's, that's the whole draft in one question right there, I Chief. Know, that's that's everything. <laughs> one of my favorite parts of working at the Ringer is parachuting into the NBA draft two weeks before and just hitting up Kevin O'Connor and Jonathan Sharks and our NBA experts and being like, who's good? And just I'm harassing gonna basically, We're going to do that for you guys because we actually have the right to monopolize your time. So we're going to go through this like we haven't really gone through any of this before. And we're going to start with a very basic thing, but something that's really worth zooming out on and kind of rewinding big picture questions. And best place to start, I'm going to throw it to Solak first. What is the story of this year's draft, Solak? Uh, the story of this year's draft is a poor quarterback class. It defines uh, teams in the top five trying to trade out and being unable to do so. It defines teams in the in the late single digits and in the tens and even into in pick 20 with the Steelers thinking that maybe they might be able to snipe their guy and, oh, we're going to get a, 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 a real starter outside of the top 10. That's crazy. The last quarterback class that was considered like bad, we got to remember, was the Mahomes-Watson draft. And those two quarterbacks were selected at 10 and at 12 and immediately for the teams that drafted them provided really, really, really high caliber play. And so teams are hoping that they can do that again outside the top 10 while teams inside the top 10 are wishing there was a team that would make a trade up. DK, do you have anything outside the top quarterbacks that you think is like one of the biggest storylines or is the bad quarterback class like the main one? The one other thing that I think is super interesting is like this, this year's draft feels like a dynasty rookie draft. There's like, Seven teams with two first rounders, or whatever it is. I haven't counted. What is it? Five or six this year that have two first rounders. Feels like all the teams are doing the, you know, the productive struggle thing where they like trade back and trade good older players for a bunch of first rounders, and then they're like trying to reset. This is happening in the real draft. So I think that is the other thing that's very interesting. Is just there's a lot of teams here with a ton of ammo. The Eagles just traded one of their first rounders. They still have two. Um, so. That's the other thing that I'd say is kind of like a big deal here is there's some teams here can really do some damage in the draft in the first round. Can we can we stick with that? I, I want to know, one, like who, who are the most important teams that have multiple picks in the first round here and which teams can kind of change their destiny with this draft? So how about this? let me run through the list of all the teams that have the two picks. And then yeah. I want Deacon Solak to pick the ones that answers correct questions. Craig's questions of which is like the team that has the biggest, Quags the most at stake. questions. Quag's question. I, I can't. Quag's, Quags, I don't know. It's. I. I, I had. To you didn't there. know what you were getting into when you opened with that. It seemed like it should be easy. It was not. No, it's, it's never easy. Nothing's as easy as it seems. Anyway, so just to recap, it's really weird. The Giants have two of the top seven picks because they, the Bears traded down with them for Justin Fields last year, so they have Chicago's first rounder. The Jets have Seattle's first rounder from the Jamal Jamal Adams trade last year. I cannot speak English. The Texans have two picks in the top 13 after the Deshaun Watson trade. The Eagles, as DK alluded to, they got the Colts first rounder from the Carson Wentz deal last year, and they had the Dolphins first rounder from the Dolphins trading up, and then they sent one of those picks to the Saints. So the Eagles and the Saints both have two picks, and they're all, all four of those are in the same five-pick span. The 
Packers have two first-rounders after trading Devontae Adams. The Chiefs have two first-rounders after trading away Tyreek Hill. The Lions have the last pick of the first round and the second pick of the first round after trading Matthew Stafford. So a lot of big trades, a lot of teams, and then eight teams don't have a first-rounder at all, which is the most in NFL history. So with all that said, DK, let's start with DK. Who of those teams, Giants, Jets, Texans, Eagles, Saints, uh, Packers, Chiefs, Lions, which of those two teams has like the most at stake in this draft? Ooh, the most at stake. Um, that's a very good question. I would say maybe the Packers, since Aaron Rodgers is 38 years old and and they're kind of like in win now situation. They just traded a, an all pro, one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in the NFL. They need to make these hits. They, they need to make these picks hit, right? Like we made fun of their draft uh, a couple of years ago where they um, traded up for Jordan Love, drafted the running back and a tight end and and basically you know, those players turned out like AJ Dillon turned out to be better than people thought. But at the end of the day, like that wasn't like a win now move. I think they need to do something that is going to have a big impact in year one. So like, what do you think? Who's the most at stake? I think the saints and this, I, I want to say the Seahawks, they don't have two first round picks. They have a first round pick they traded for, yeah, but they also don't have the original first round pick because the Jamal Adams trade, but the, the saints and, and for the same reasons, the Seahawks are really interesting to me because uh, we just got out of your quarterback era. You just left mm. a very comfortable world of Russell Wilson for 10 years, of Drew Brees for 10 years. You don't the want to Se- be out here. Yeah, it's Tulum. <laughs> you know what charcoal Tulum? is? <laughs> charcoal ice cream. You don't have the cholesterol. Um, <laughs> this like Steelers are in this boat as well of the 20th overall pick out of the Ben Roethlisberger era. A lot of these coaches uh, have been there for a long time. A lot of these general managers have been there for a long time. And when the quarterback leaves, it creates this watershed a moment for change, right? You see mm. that in Pittsburgh where Kevin Colbert, the GM, might be stepping down. You see that in New Orleans where Sean Payton, the head coach, is moving on. Dennis Allen takes the reins. And then you have Seattle where Pete Carroll and John Schneider have had a ton of success up there the whole time, which is a third-round pick at quarterback who hit. And that is not easy to keep doing. Mm. Uh, and so there are some teams that were mainstays of the last 10 years of football that are now at inflection points. Get this draft right. Get a free agent quarterback right. Get a draft quarterback right. Bang! Let's do let's let's do it for another ten years. Miss it, and you're going to discover just how hard it is to get out of the slough, out of the bog that is the middle class of the NFL. Tulum. Well, it's <laughs> funny because the the, 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 t- the thing that you just laid out, Ben, it's like the timing of this is all terrible. You have teams like Seattle and New Orleans and Pittsburgh all needing to start over with a new quarterback. All storied franchises with with good rosters, and right now there's no good quarterbacks. Yes. Mm. I think like if if we want to do a what's a quote that defines this draft cycle, kind of like like take it that way. John Lynch at the Combine, general manager for the San Francisco 49ers, was asked about the Trey Lance trade uh, at this year's Combine and said, yo, you guys traded two first round picks for Trey Lance last year. Did you do that looking at this year's class? And he was like, hell yeah, brother. <laughs> like he, didn't say like, he didn't say it like that, but he said it like that a little bit where he was like, we saw the veteran, you know, there's a bunch of veteran quarterbacks moving around. This is a great rookie quarterback class. There, another shoe was going to drop. We weren't going to miss it. And we'd rather be a year early than a year late on, in terms of getting that, that next quarterback, that quarterback for the future. And I think that's a really important mindset. You think about the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts a couple of years ago. You always want to be kind of early on your next era at quarterback as opposed to being late. And I think that's one of the reasons that this NFL offseason was considered one of the craziest in terms of free agent. Just really the trades that were made. I mean, there were, I think, the the players traded around. I mean, Matt Matt Ryan was traded. All these quarterbacks that we just mentioned. Carson Wentz went to the Colts. I mean, I can summarize this real quick. 
I mean, the Broncos traded for Russell Wilson. Washington traded for Wentz. The Colts traded for Matt Ryan. The Browns traded for Deshaun Watson. Tom Brady came back out of retirement. And so one of the reasons I think it was such a nuts trade window was that teams looked at this draft and said, we don't like these quarterbacks. And so they were more aggressive than usual looking at the trade avenues and they were more willing to give up those picks. And so that's a really good point. So I think it leaves us with, I think the next question is who needs a quarterback. If you want to hear more about the actual quarterbacks in this year's draft, we did a whole episode on that in our most recent episode. So you can check that out. The title, Craig, what's the exact title of that episode? Uh, it's very clickbaity. It's the most fun quarterback draft episode you'll ever listen to. Beautiful. <laughs> it was a it good is. time. <laughs> check it out. However, for now, you can just take, or if you want to learn more about them, listen to that. For now, take our word. They're not that fun. They're not that great. However, there are still some that teams that need quarterbacks in this draft. <laughs> You're not that guy, pal. Yeah, exactly. So none of them 100%, no team 100% needs a quarterback this year. However, there are a bunch of teams that kind of have someone that they could stick with, but it's like, and from Arrested Development, it's like her, her. <laughs> so it's like, are they, so those teams are bland. <laughs> so the teams, so the Panthers who could roll with Sam Darnold or whatever, they have the number six pick. The Seahawks who could roll with Drew Locke from the Broncos trade have the number nine pick. The Texans who could roll with Davis Mills have three and 13. The Steelers have Mitchell Trubisky because Roethlisberger retired. They have the number 20 pick. So of all those, which of those teams do you guys think are the most likely to draft a quarterback in the first round this year? Did you say the Falcons too? Sorry, yeah, uh, we got it. Forgot them. So the Falcons traded away Matt Ryan, but they signed Marcus Mariota. Another one who's like, they could keep him. They could draft someone, have him sit behind Marcus. They're flexible. And I think for the reason Solak mentioned of this is a bad class, they're all kind of waiting on, they're, they're in like the, the no man's land between last year's class and, the, and next year's class. So the first, my first reaction is the Panthers seem to have painted themselves into a corner here in the way that they've approached the quarterback position. Instead of drafting a top 10 quarterback last year, they went with a corner. Uh, they tried It to really is awful that cornerback and quarterback sound I so know, similar. Right? It's bad for <laughs> draft season. Um, a CB. They drafted a CB. Heifetz hates when I use... Uh, no, no. That's the one that you can. I oh, actually okay. agree with. Cool. So I want to rename the cornerback position. Uh, so anyways, the Panthers, they've kind of botched this whole quarterback situation. Big time. Um, botched it. Botched it. They Botched are it. now looking at... So, number one, look. Matt Rule kind of feels like he's on the hot seat, I imagine. Uh, they've got a uh, owner who I would say is probably errs on the side of impatient versus the long-term goal. Um, and they've got no picks in the second or third round. So, they have a sixth round. They have number six overall, sorry. And then they have a fourth round pick, I believe, is their next pick. So... I mean, I guess the, there is a lot of indications that they're trying to trade back a little bit. Maybe they tried to trade out a six, get like a second and third or whatever, add a couple picks here and there. They could still draft a guy in the 20s or whatever it may be, maybe even in the early second round. Um, and that might be the best thing that they can do. But if they're sitting there at six and all the quarterbacks are still on the board, like it's going to be, you can have that trigger finger to like pull the trigger on one of these guys. Um, and just have a good quarterback in town because, like, they can't go into 2022 with Sam Darnold as the only guy, right? Um, so, to me, the Panthers kind of stand out amongst all these other teams. The Seahawks, I think, have time to rebuild. The fact they traded Russell Wilson, to me, indicates that Pete Carroll and John Schneider have job security long-term. Um, the Falcons are nowhere near winning whether they get a quarterback or not. And so, I think they're going to take the long game. 
probably. They'll probably look to trade back also. Uh, and then everybody else kind of has like a bridge guy that they can get by with, and they don't really need to like be too uh, aggressive. So to me, the, the Panthers are sort of alone in this group. Ben, do you agree? I would say the Panthers are in the most dire spot. I do find it generally hilarious that the Texans have Davis Mills, and we're all just like, yeah, you know, two top 15 picks. <laughs> That's a good point. We don't really no, actually I, but, talk about But where them. would Davis Mills be in this class? I feel like he would be, that we'd be talking ourselves where would into he be? being like the number... It, if he went back to school and had a good year, I feel like he'd be number one. So off of my scout of him last year, he would be comfortably behind Desmond Ritter, comfortably behind Malik Willis. He'd probably be behind Corral and right around that picket area as well. Wow. Okay. Dang. Okay, now so, I will like, say, I mean, that's that. That's how I felt about him coming out in 2021. He played better for the Texans yeah, than I thought he would. Yeah. He, does he play so good that I'm like, you know, he's probably better than Malik Willis? Absolutely not. Okay. How about but, this? Did you say absolutely? I yeah, said absolutely. That was weird. <laughs> Thought experiment. The Texans <laughs> cut him, and there's some weird eligibility thing, and Davis Mills is actually in this draft again, and you get him to a new rookie deal. Where do you, after seeing him play last year, like real life, I don't know why he's in the draft again. Where I love would you this take game, by the way. This is the I can play this game for two hours. <laughs> He'd still be below Ritter and Willis for me. Wow. Okay, okay but, yeah. but like third or fourth. He was the third rounder last year, so that gives you an yeah. idea of the quarterbacks. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, by uh, the way, I, John Schneider said this in a press conference, I believe, at the owners' meetings. Uh, that the Seahawks GM? Sorry, yes. The Seahawks GM had said something along the lines. I don't know if he said it explicitly or just insinuated it, but basically, if Drew Locke was in this class, they would have him rated probably as the number one Danny, guy. Danny, how do you feel about the fact the that every single person left in the entire world who believes in Drew Locke works for the Seattle Seahawks? How does that feel? <laughs> just 100%, 100% of them. <laughs> no, Megan Schuster works for The Ringer. Yeah, yeah, we do so have Megan. That's where it's at. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. So all the quarterback stuff, forget them for a second. Who's going number one in the draft? DK. Overall? No, number one in the third round. <laughs> Okay, number one in the third round. Who's that? That's a, Jags? That's a weird, Don't that's a weird question. Don't you dare answer that question. No, I'm, I'm taking a swing. Jags are taking Justin Ross at 65 overall. Bang. All right. Anyway, there you go. You get that right. Hell yeah. We're going to like bake you a cake or some shit. All right. So the number one overall question is actually an interesting one because typically, and I think, well, I don't know if it typically, but usually it feels like we have some indication of who it's going to be. Right now, it's like a toss up between Aiden Hutchinson, pass rusher out of Michigan, and Teron Walker pass rusher slash uh, run defender out of Georgia. He, he's, <laughs> he is more accomplished, I'd say, at the latter. And the potential is elite with his pass rushing skills, but he hasn't really shown it in terms of production yet. So um, I think the the question of like who's going to be the number one pick actually tells you a lot about this draft because a guy like Trevon Walker might be the first pick. Um, a guy that you're describing as a run defender who hopefully, hopefully learns to rush the passer. I mean, look, I actually like him. I think he's insanely athletic he's prototype size everything you want from a pass rusher like athletically and physically he is but he just didn't produce at a college level because of a combination of reasons maybe it was because they were asking him to you know two gap or, or play heads up with the tackle and open things up for blitzers whatever it may be but 
I mean, there's like there's flashes on tape where it, it looks like he could be a good pass rusher, but there's also flashes on tape where he looks pretty raw and he, you know, has a long way to go to kind of get to that level. So it's kind of crazy, honestly, that Trevon Walker might be the first mm-hmm. overall pick. Do you want to hear my favorite fun Trayvon Walker fact? Yes. So Walker initially at Georgia was a defensive tackle. He initially was playing at 300 pounds. Oh, he, was he? I, I didn't yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. During his, uh, uh, he dropped down about 275 for his junior year. Uh, which is to so say... I did that as well my junior year of college. Yeah. Which is to say... <laughs> Uh, the freshman got, 15, yeah. Yeah, we got to remember this. Freshman 175. Yeah. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's going to be two round one defensive tackle picks out of Georgia in the draft. It's Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt. Davis is probably going to go like top 15, top 20. Wyatt's probably going to go somewhere between 20 to 32. So Walker was, as of like two years ago, the third best defensive tackle at Georgia. And then now... <laughs> is the best pass rusher in the draft and the number one overall pick. It's, I, I watched more Walker today because there's more increasing smoke that he's going to be the number one overall pick. And I yeah. just don't get it, man. I cannot. Well, so, so what it, is it? Well, this is a really interesting conversation. And we actually were talking about this earlier today. And I, we, I actually was not going to ask this on the podcast, but now I want to bring it up. We were DK, you mentioned basically why do certain players get drafted in certain rounds? Yeah, yeah. And you basically said there's obviously there's different school thoughts and we're oversimplifying. However, the first round is for players who are extraordinary athletes who are also produce or are technically skilled. Like you have mm-hmm. both. Get you a man mm-hmm. who can do both. Crazy athleticism and also like cr- technically refined. And the second, and grossly oversimplifying. And the second round is like guys who are have athleticism, but like there's a there's some hole in their there's there's just some reason that they're not first rounders, right? There's one major flaw. Yeah, and then the third round is like guys who are good at football, but not crazy good athletes. And then as you go further in the draft, it's kind of like guys throwing darts at one or the other, crazy athletes who have no skill, who have no like. Technical yeah. ability. They play and, basketball. Or no production. Yeah. Like rugby players who are trying to play in the <laughs> NFL or the opposite. Guys with lots of technical skill, but no athleticism. Right. So it's almost like the NFL, like, which is makes sense on its surface, but it also creates the possibility where like sometimes teams galaxy brain themselves into a Trayvon Walker who it is possible becomes an incredible defensive end. It is also extremely possible that Trayvon Walker is the sixth best defensive player from his college in this draft. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, you framed it. I think that's exactly right, though. It's There's such a wide uh, variance in terms or like uh, potential outcome with, with Walker because honestly, we just don't really know like what he would look like if he was just asked to pin his ears back and rush the passer every snap. Like maybe he would be the best pass rusher in the NFL. We don't really know. Um, he has the physical talent to do it, but typically these guys that have the physical talent, no production are like late second or late first, early second, like Ode Odafe last year. Um, would I say his name incorrectly there? Odafe Owe. Sorry. Yes. He changed his name after the draft. Um, so anyways, uh, he is a guy that was like super, super athletic, freakish athleticism, twitch, all that, but like zero sacks. And that was like a huge, massive red flag. There'd been like yeah, no pass guys, rush like, with no sacks at right. Penn State. And he turned out to be a good player. Like, he is a good player in the NFL, and he's going to be mm-hmm. an even better player. But typically, this is, like, what I was getting to getting at when we were talking about it earlier. It's, like, 
in the first round, especially in the top 10, you want guys that are elite athletes and elite producers. Uh, that's actually what Aiden Hutchinson is for more, like more or less. He's not elite at all athleticism, but he's fast. He's quick. And he had 14 sacks. He set a school record last year. Like that's, he looks more like a first overall pick um, than anybody else in this draft. And that's pretty much why everyone's been <laughs> expecting that to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I think like, this is just kind of, you're right. Like maybe a galaxy brain thing that we're going to see here happen with Trevon Walker. So I don't know. It, he could end up being really good, of course, but you, we've seen tons and tons of uh, really high upside pass rushers just flame out in the NFL. Um, top 10 picks just not work out in the NFL. But generally speaking, this is a year so lack for you. If you need an offensive tackle, if you need a pass rusher, you need a receiver. This is the draft for you, right? Quarterbacks are yep. barren, but that's it. And then generally speaking, there's also like a wide variance on who's actually the best at those positions, right? Like the other weird part is not only is everyone disagreeing on the quarterbacks, but like right. the best receiver, the best tackle, the best defensive end, like widespread disagreement on it with the one through five at all those positions, right? Yeah. Usually we know like, okay, we'll, we'll put it this way. Every draft is going to have like a star wide receiver. There's going to be a star wide receiver in every draft for the rest of time because there's just so many talented receivers and so many of them get picked and passing offenses are so much better at getting production out of young guys. Like there's just going to be a star receiver. Usually we feel like we know who that guy's going to be. Like last year <laughs> it was like, it's probably going to be Jamar Chase. Might be Jalen Waddle. Might be Devontae Smith. Maybe we'll get two, but eh, Jamar Chase, number one receiver. A couple years ago, right? Like, oh, you know, Marquise Brown, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel. Like, there were guys who loved these dudes. Like, Metcalf was the one where everybody was like, yo, this guy could be a legit star. This year, it's like, okay, one's going to be a star. You figure it out, man. Like, nobody's got a (laughs) good beat on exactly. (laughs) A guy's going to go top 10, probably. Garrett Wilson at Ohio State. Drake London out of USC. Jamison Williams, the Bama speedster, has had a ton of smoke recently that he's going to go top 10. He's going to be the first wide receiver selected. But there's a lot less confidence that we know who that guy's going to be. Same thing is true at tackle. Eka Mekwanu out of NC State. Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. And Evan Neal out of Bama. All three are going to be top 10 picks. I I think they you had two of those guys have a chance to be really, really good. I really like Icky and I really like Cross, but there's no consensus in the league. Uh, and so, and then pass rusher like we've talked about. Uh, and so in general, not a class where even in the position groups, there's a clear one. The only position group where there's a clear top guy out of all of them is center. With Tyler Linderbaum <laughs> out of Iowa. Even at safety, like for the whole season. I was going to say, yeah, safety. So whole, all cycle has been Kyle Hamilton. Recently, recently, it's like, oh, Dax Hill. Oh, Lewis Seen. Wow. Like, yeah. yep. The only position where there's a clear-cut top guy is center. Running back is kind of close, but I would say it's still a little bit messy. No, I don't even think... I think that one's totally up in the air, too. Um, this is, I think, more than... I don't know. Maybe we do this every year. But more than ever, it feels like this is the eye of the beholder class. Like, I think that this is linked to COVID more than I, I really do. I think that no, <laughs> I'm serious. COVID. I think that yeah. it's about depth charts. It's about certain guys. I think that things getting messed up. I think that scouts not having a year of prep. I think that COVID kind of has ruined a little bit like the or changed a little bit of the variance. Maybe I don't know what to what degree. I think it's impacted it. Um, but we were talking about receivers and I just want to do fantasy originally a fantasy podcast. Mm. Back Never in parking back so, to those days. Uh, who are the fantasy guys we need to know in this draft, DK? So the main guys, there's two running backs, probably. Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. Um, Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, Brees Hall from Iowa State. Uh, Even that's just really light. Like, I feel like last year it was way more than two. And I yeah. just talking about two dudes. Yeah, there, I think this year there, and I've said this to someone, there's like two probably starter three down guys, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and then a bunch of 
of Khalil Herberts. And that, and I say that in like the way they are good people, good runners, um, good players. Like when we saw Khalil Herbert come in and like start for David uh, Montgomery, like he looked really good. Like he produced, he was efficient. There's probably 10 guys in this class that could do that. Um, But like it's anyone's guess when they're going to get that chance because they're probably going to be handcuffs or backups. There's two guys I think that have a solid, very solid chance of being starters. And that's Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker at running back. Feels feels like it's not special. Okay, receiver then. I know there's like a, a, this is one of the stronger spots. I'm going to play a game. I want to play a game. Each of you. Uh, gun to your head, water gun to your head, whatever, fine, we'll be... Yeah, water gun. Water Real. gun to your head. Craig. Re- one of these receivers in this draft, four years from now, three years from now, is a top t- top five receiver in the NFL. Who is that? Burks. Oh, I like that. I like so that So you say Traylon Burks from Arkansas, is it because of that, the, that yeah. he hunts the wild boars with knives? Yeah, so, I mean... Are, Top five is very tricky because the top five receiver year after year changes so much because the position where production is just so easy. But if we're going to call Debo Samuel's past season a top five receiver season, if you get Burks in a system where they just live off of yards after the catch, he's the exact sort of guy you want. So after a couple of years, you know, develop the routes out a little bit more, hopefully make him want to block and be physical a little bit more uh, as he enters the NFL. But in terms of of size, explosiveness, tackle breaking ability, hands, contested catch, yeah, Burks Burks has has elite traits. TK, okay. okay. Um, so I've been completely like gaslit I think on this entire class because I loved Burks coming in and now I'm starting to like have some doubts some nagging doubts there's just enough smoke around him uh not running like clean routes and and not winning in the right ways that translate to the NFL that I'm just sort of starting to like talk myself out of him a little I still have him as my third receiver and in that top tier but now the more I think about it the more I sort of look at it like Jameson Williams to me just seems like he's gonna be a star he's the, the other name I would have said yeah it would have been him okay. or Jameson when when amongst the wide receivers do you guys think Traylon Burks and Jameson Williams will get drafted I think Traylon Burks will probably be the fourth one fourth or fifth picked and that might actually be good for him because I really want him to go to the Packers like if he goes late in the first to the Packers or I mean the Chiefs or something like that where they're gonna have a smart plan. He really reminds me a lot of DK Metcalf in the pre-Jeff process. Not necessarily like the styles that they play, but he, I think, is more sensitive to landing spot than some of these other guys. Like Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson to me, uh, Drake London, any of these guys can go to any offense in the NFL, more or less, and like have success. Like Traylon Burks, to me, is going to be a guy that is going to need a coach that has a plan for him and a team that has a plan to like get him involved early on and then work him up to be a good route runner and a specific offense or whatever. This is exactly what the Seahawks did with DK Metcalf. When DK Metcalf landed with the Seahawks, I was like, yes, that is going to work because his skill set matches exactly what the Seahawks want to do on offense, which is run down the sideline real fast like Forrest Gump. Like, just go, and Russell's going to throw it to you. Literally the first season in the NFL, I think DK Metcalf probably ran like three routes. You know what I mean? Amen. And so, so, and then he's developed over the years. Like he's gotten better at everything and he's improved, which is what human beings are capable of doing. Um, he was what Haifa was talking about earlier, the guy who was super athletic, but didn't necessarily have all the technical skills. Yet. Exactly. Um, and Burks is not the same style of player, but my point is more that like, if they get him, like I just keep using the Packers cause I think it's a perfect fit. It's a, it's a match made in heaven. They love doing like Aaron Rodgers goes to the line. They see a corner playing off. He just throws a smoke route. That like replaces the run game. They let him run in space. They let him pick up yards after the catch. I think that's perfect. They love screens. They love the screen game. They love RPOs. They they do play action. They do all the stuff I think that Burks would like excel in. 
But if he goes to like say a West Coast team or something where he's being asked to like be at a specific spot at a specific time and run these really precise routes, like he could struggle. This is exactly what I said about DK Metcalf earlier on in his career. So um, I think Burks has that upside, but again, like he, he's a little bit raw, and so I think he's a little more sensitive to landing spots. So that's why it actually might be good that he falls a little bit. Can we digress for a second? I was thinking about the wide receivers who are taken first overall, uh, not in the draft, but like amongst their position, and. Like Jamar Chase last year, obviously had a fantastic year. And I went back. I looked at the last 10 wide receivers to get picked first overall uh, among their position group. Let me list them to you. Yeah. Jamar Chase, Henry Ruggs, Marquise Brown, DJ Moore, Corey Davis, Corey Coleman, Amari Cooper, Sammy Watkins, Tavon Austin, and Justin Blackman. Two of those. Wow. Maybe three, I guess you could say, of those 10 have worked. And... Do you think that's because wide receiver at the top of the at the top five are just really hard to figure out who's the best one because they're all kind of good? A lot of nature versus nurture is involved too with these guys getting drafted first. Maybe you're going to the teams with the worst quarterbacks and that's why it's not working out. But why do you think so many wide receivers that get drafted first don't pan out? I think a large part of it's because those teams taking their first receiver in the draft are desperate. Yeah. And I'm I'm big on like nature versus nurture. But if you look at those individual situations, I mean, Sammy Watkins going to that Buffalo team was not good. Sammy Watkins was very good, hurt his foot. I mean, the Justin Blackman thing, he was very good. He had off-field issues. But if you just go through those, some of those guys were not good. Some of those were just terrible situations. Really, Jamar Chase is the outlier and going to a terrible team. But he had his college quarterback. Where they had the best. He had the best college receiver season ever. Or not one of the one of the best college receiver seasons ever. And then went with the same guy to the NFL. So mm-hmm. I just think bad teams taking bad rece- or good receivers. I think the additionally. Yeah, they get desperate. Then you, it's like a, it's similar to what happens with quarterbacks. Like you come in and you have to be the guy. There's a whole bunch of pressure on you. Um, all the defenses are paying attention to you. You go. A lot of these guys go to a team where they're the number one immediately. And Jamar Chase was good yeah. enough to like overcome that. But he also had T. Higgins on, across from him, and he had his college quarterback. So he had a couple of massive advantages here. And he was like the greatest wide receiver prospect ever. Right. Look, you Correct. mentioned Corey Davis. Think about Juju Smith Schuster. Juju comes in. Yeah, that's great. Incredible. Example. Yeah. Well, Juju Smith Schuster was working along Antonio Brown now whatever you think of Antonio Brown at the time before he really went off the deep end. Antonio Brown was amidst the greatest seven year stretch for receiving yards in NFL history. And they had been like, it's the yeah. best seven year stretch. That is not Jerry Rice's seven year stretch. And Juju got to work in that shadow. Well, no wonder he was having such a good time. Like he, he was getting matchups he wanted because they had to deal with Antonio Brown. I think. And then you look at Corey Davis didn't have that luxury. You see a lot of second round receivers turn into like big time stars because the they're going to good teams they're going to good teams in a lot of cases and also they're going in and they're complementary pieces of yeah. like an offense and I, that's exactly what Heifetz was just saying but like I don't know I think that that is something that you have to think about a little bit so it's hard you know, to it's get hard really to excited predict, but. if like the first wide receiver off the board if Traylon Burks goes to the Jets or something you may not be as yeah. You know. Well, the Jets are the Jets, but mm-hmm. yeah, anywhere that they have to be the number one immediately, it's a little concerning. Even I don't if, want any like, of these like, guys to go to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, retweet. I I have another question. Solek, who is the player, like the 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 fa- my favorite draft pastime is scrolling through a draft from five years ago and being like, how did he fall that low? Who is the guy this year that we will look back on and be like, how did this guy fall in the draft? How did all these teams pass on this dude? It's mm, a very good question. I'll take Lewis Seen, safety out of Georgia. And this is the <laughs> this is the uh there's two reasons for this. And the first is the one that you said earlier, right? Where like Trayvon Walker might be the sixth best, sixth best prospect from that Georgia defense. This Georgia defense was just stacked. And and safety is a position that inherently is like solve some problems, you know what I mean? Cover up for some some issues. You know, you have so many responsibilities. And an 
10 of Georgia's 13's opponents, Seen just didn't have like any jobs to do and just play free safety. He's not, not going to be able to throw it on time anyway. He can't throw it all the way down here. Pressure is already arriving. Pastor is already there. Seen comes down to the box to go like, you know, make a tackle. The Kobe Dean's already there. You know what I mean? Like they were just so talented that safety, which is not a position that gets a lot of action. It's just a position where you're kind of in position, in your role, ready to act. Well, the rest of the Georgia defense was so good that Seen did just didn't have to play on the ball as much, like get as much production as a guy like a Dax Hill out of Michigan or Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. So that's number one. And then number two is, uh, I think that we're going to see safeties matter a lot more in NFL defenses over the next five or so years. And that's something that uh, uh, I wrote about in the Kyle Hamilton piece, something I talked about during the season last year. But as we move to a too high world, your safeties start to matter. They start to become really important and prevalent players. And so to me, if I'm getting Lewis Seen outside of the first round, uh, I would not be surprised if this is a player who becomes a, a Josh Johnson type for some teams, a Jesse Bates type for some teams where he's probably not going to be a, a, a top five safety, right? He doesn't have anything that level. Actually, his measurables are really great. Like his testing was awesome. But uh, to me, like this is a guy who's going to become a 15 million per year guy on his second contract. He's going to become lights out, locked down safety in multiple roles who went at like 45 overall. And in five years, as safety jo- rises in its prevalence, we're going to realize that this sort of a player should have gone a lot earlier. I think that's nail on the head. I mean, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. The cool safeties are coming back. So yeah, baby. I mean, it's he's, it's yeah, gonna he's be pretty fun cool again. too. Yeah. Oh, I just thought of such a better answer for the good player thing. All right, whatever, fine. Go. Who? Leo Chanel, linebacker, Wisconsin. Leo Chanel. Good ball player. Chanel, like, like Chanel, is it spelled like, like Chanel? Like Coco Chanel. C-H-C-H-E-N-A-L. <laughs> oh, so it's a little different. Yeah. Oh, wow, what a beautiful name, though. Leo yeah, Chanel. I think it's pronounced the same way, though, isn't I'm it? I'm 98% sure, though. Once, once yeah. I never realized it sounded like Chanel Chanel, and so once Craig said that, I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> am I flipping it in my head? But no, I'm pretty sure it sounds pronounced. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Leo is a big young man who can move, he can read, he can block, <laughs> deconstruct, he can cover, he can do everything a linebacker can do, and because he plays for Wisconsin, we're all convinced he's not athletic. He's, in my opinion, the second best linebacker in the class. Good ball player. Wow. I want to have Solak just do every scouting report in that cadence. And this young man can play. I'll tell you what, he's a big, strong man from Wisconsin. Young man can play a little ball, right? <laughs> it's like that transatlantic kind of accent. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're watching one of those. Listen from here, like, see, Leo Chanel can play football. The World War II like previews yeah. that show like no, the progress of the it, war. Um, you know what? It, you know where that accent's really prevalent is um, Hitchcock a Christmas movies. story. Not a Christmas story. Sorry. Uh, a, uh, oh, I'm blanking. I'm blanking. The the Christmas Eve movie. It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. I feel yeah. like that's a big time movie uh, for that. Yeah, kind of Jimmy accent. Stewart, man. Jimmy Stewart's like <laughs> the king of the Mid Atlantic transatlantic accent. I yeah. can tell you what, like who who I'm doing in that bit, if you want. Yeah, but I don't think it's. I think it's a reference that'll land on none of you. Has anybody seen The Legend of Korra, the follow up Avatar animated series? I have not. My okay, friends that's what love I thought. Avatar. Well, for anybody listening. The guy who intros the pro bending battles, that's the voice that I'm basically doing when I do <laughs> that's that. That's pretty good. Yes. So that's a deep <laughs> cut, but it is a good cut. That is a deep cut. All right. Speaking of deep cuts, we're going to do two jargons and a lie. Mm. So America's favorite game. Two, two real draft jargons. America is a fake buzz one. about this. America is a we buzz. can't stop talking about it. Who did the two jargons and a lie this week, DK or Solak? Uh, I did not. Solak I've got it. Did. Oh, sweet. Solex, Solex always prepared. Yeah. I know. I was, I was like, shit, I forgot. Consummate <laughs> professional. What can I say? I just have a big Google Doc full of jargons, and I try to figure out which ones will work <laughs> together. All the right. Good thing, the, good thing the draft is coming, by the way, because it feels like we're running out of them. 
We are. We are scraping <laughs> the bottom of the barrel. What's funny is we can't do this next year because it's not like a ton of jargons yeah. are going to no, be we'll added. We'll forget by then. Yeah. Please. Well, we can. We have like one thousand yeah. emails that we can go. I don't through. know That's what day it is. Yeah. There's no way I'm going to remember. We're going to start playing one jargons and two lies pretty soon. Just because that's, that's <laughs> all at, lies. So. Yes. This is the Chris right. Ryan experience. Yes. We have ants on a hill. <laughs> Looks good on the hoof. See ball, get ball. <sighs> ants on a hill. Looks good on the hoof. See ball, get ball. <laughs> Craig, I almost wonder if ants on a hill is like <laughs> Craig is just grimacing and shaking his head <laughs> grimacing <laughs> I almost wonder if ants on a hill isn't even about the players if it's like man I hate watching the film on this D3 prospect it's like the guy filming it's like ants on a hill I can't see anything I don't know, like it's so far away yeah, like, I don't no. This know. is the Nate Tice uh, video clip that he's sharing on on Twitter, where it's a snow <laughs> game and and Penn State's wearing white uniforms. You literally can't see any yeah, of the players. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> what is this? Ball, replay for I mean, ants. Seabull get balls. What was this middle one? Solak looks good on a hoof. Looks good on the on the hoof on on the the hoof hoof. I don't know if I say that word. Too <laughs> Depends on where you are in the country. Yeah. Yes, looks good on the hoof. roof roof. What do you guys say? Roof. I don't know what looks good on the hoof means. I don't know that. Well, there's roof. I would hope not. (laughs) It's kind of the idea. My goal. (laughs) Well, I don't even know what it could mean. Mm. I mean, on the hoof means like running. Looks good on the hoof. Like he's he's hoofing it. He's running. Mm. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I don't know what. Okay. You know when you're hoofing it. Do people say that? Hoofing it. Phrase isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, that's a phrase. It is a phrase. Yeah. Oh, okay. I. I don't think I think looks good on a hoof is real. I'm between ants on a hill and see ball get ball. Ants on a hill, I almost wonder if it must mean like disorganized defense or something. Like like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. a player doesn't look good, but it's like, oh well, why does the cornerback look good? Well, the defense is like, you know, ants on a hill. That one yeah. I could see being real. No, I think that one's fake because that <laughs> I came up with that <laughs> fake explanation really quickly, but I've never heard the term, so that one's fake. Hyphens is, is such an arguer, he argues with himself. Yeah. yeah, DK takes it personally sometimes. I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> I argue with me. Hyphen's like, mad at people. You guys don't know how many times offline I'm just like, do we need to argue about this? You know, when we were do at we the need Super to have Bowl, this discussion? DK has two children, Calvin and Hyphen. <laughs> yes. Craig, Craig out here acting like he's not one of the children. <laughs> Craig's trying to be golden child because his brother locked him in a bathroom when he was a kid, and this is his chance. Oh, goodness. Um, I'm going to go with. I also am going to go with ants on a hill. I was trying to think, which one's the fishing term, Ben? I'm going to go with ants on the hill is fake. Ah, oh, I really thought I had you guys with this one. One of them ants is an aardvark. It's, it's an aardvark term. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's aardvark jar- jargon. Uh, no, it's ants a on what? Hill is- aardvark <laughs> jargon. Aardvark jargon. Jar- like jar- ducks in a jargon. Blah, blah, blah's la blog. Yes. <laughs> ants on a hill is fake. Uh, looks good on the hoof is literally exactly what it sounds like. Like when a guy is like, warming up when he's running around, right? When he's just like, you know, doing average athlete things, you're like, ah, oh, guy looks good on the hoof. And it looks like he can run around a little bit. She's just like, it's such a banal That's a weird term. That's a it's weird expression. It's so useless. Yeah. But looks good on the hoof is what it is. See ball, get ball, also extremely useless. This refers to a defender who, when he, sees, Chanel. Chanel. He, he sees the player with the ball, he can go get him. Like literally, yeah. the reason I paired these two together is because they mean exactly what they sound like and are useless in terms of they're not like colorful or helpful whatsoever. See ball, get ball is 
aggressive defender. That's literally all it means. Uh, and then Anson Hills is made up. So well done to you guys. You guys have swept me the last two two go rounds. I'm thrilled. Okay. <laughs> I'm thrilled. I'm now I'm going to give you two jargons and a lie. <laughs> well, I left out I'm thrilled because I got those and Craig just followed my lead, but mm. that's why I was thrilled. Okay. I was trying to be humble, but I failed. Two jargons and a lie. Do you guys want one about taxes? DK, that just answered the question, who is your other son? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, two jargons and a lie. Do you guys want one about taxes because it's tax season, or do you guys want one about two? We got a two bands and a lie. Do taxes. Do the taxes one. You want the taxes one. Also, like what? Anytime Heifetz like decides something, I just have to pick a different one, or else it's considered piggybacking. <laughs> but I should just try and pick as quickly as possible and not think about it. <laughs> that was eating at you, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I just hate when Heifetz like gets on his high horse and just like thinks he's better than everybody. <laughs> oh boy, I never do that except for when I do it. Uh, three, two jargons and a lie. Yeah, it's actually three jargons and a lie, which okay. we, ironically, this tax one should have been audited. Um, oh. Adam says, all right, below are three real acronyms and Adam. one fake acronym related to international tax law. I've included the pronunciations and, wow, this is definitely written by a tax attorney. Okay. Number one is <laughs> B, which would stand for base erosion and anti-abuse tax. There's guilty, which is global intangible low taxed income. Losers, which is low-taxed offshore sale receipts, and then Shield, which is stopping harmful inversions and ending low-tax developments. What the <laughs> fuck? So this is so just... So guilty just losers and Shield. Guilty Acronyms. is false. Guilty is false. Shield is false, because that's Marvel, and nobody else can have it. <laughs> yeah, that's trademarked by Marvel. I can't... I'm not allowed to piggyback off the other two, so I'll just pick the first oh, lead. Okay. <laughs> Craig is still mad. <laughs> that first lead, please. <laughs> I think Heifetz got really mad that I got the first three right when we started <laughs> yeah, this process and has not forgotten right. about it. Yeah, You started oh five God. and oh, and I was like, oh, shit. So, like, do you have a brother? I do. Five years younger. <laughs> oh, you're the older brother. These two yeah. are the younger brothers. Well, so I here's the if, thing. When we were in Los Angeles, oh, my God. <laughs> Craig and I grew up with older brothers who were, like, three or four years older, and so it's just yeah. second nature to us. DK... Uh, who did not have a brother mm -hmm. was like, why do you guys argue about stupid shit? And I was, I like, was a middle yeah. child with two sisters, so yeah. I was always the problem. The exact solver. opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the problem with me. My brother, since he was about two, I would say, has been cooler than me in every single way, and it's never stopped. <laughs> and so our our relationship is flipped. Where I'm like, hey, do you like me? Like, are you are you cool with me? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, dang it! <laughs> oh boy, this explains a lot. Well, you just wanted us to not argue. You're like, why do you argue? I was like, I, I don't like, know. I, no, I I'm just, just curious have. if we need to argue in this scenario a lot of times. I'm like, is this something that's absolutely necessary to argue about? Because that's how it feels with almost everything. Uh, I'm going with guilt. I'm going with guilty. I actually am also going to go with guilty because as soon as you said it, I was like, that's like a legal term. That's like pretty dicey to name something guilty. What was the one before losers? So there's beat, guilty, losers, and shield. Give me beat. I'm shield. <laughs> Watch it be losers, which none of us picked. Okay. Oh my god, the fake one is loser. We're yeah! all losers. <laughs> oh, Holy shit. A, one of us should have picked a losers. That's a really big sell. Oh my right god. Really we are funny. losers. Global intangible low taxed income is real, and then low taxed offshore sale. You know why we should have known is that this losers would imply that offshore money is taxed. That was such a tell. I didn't really think about it, to be honest. I'm not going to pretend I understand how money and taxes work, so that's not going to fool fine. anyone. We're not we're not feral hogs here, all right? We don't have our own economy on this show. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, Jesus! What a callback! Right. 
There are like 10 people who get that joke that have listened yeah. to minute 60 of that episode and minute 60 of this one. By the way, I'd like to use this moment to point out that several people emailed about the Dirty Pointer, which is uh, from a band famous in like the 1990s dunk, in dunk. Wisconsin. Really, It's dunk. a thing. It's real. Yeah, it, it, ma- it makes fun of the this. accent in that in that region, by the way. The Youpers. I can't believe we're doing this again. We're not. Okay. All right. That's all. All right. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Solak. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who emailed us. Email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com for two jargons to the lie. All your draft questions. We're going to be doing a green room live, or I guess it's Spotify live now. We're going to be live next week at some point. We're going to be live before the draft. Look out for that. We've got updates coming to nfldraft.thinger.com. Check out our draft guide. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, the Rolling Stones. Whoa! I have heard of them. <laughs> I guess like you guys uh, staring blankly at me and Craig shaking his head. So, yeah. I usually look up all the bands that you give and I listen to them. Oh, okay. So. Well, I did with the jazz guy, Stanley Getz. Stan Getz, who's, by the way, the when you're, when I heard that your dad's name was Stanley Heifetz, I was like, hey, Stan Getz. Yeah. Stan Heifetz. They kind of sound similar. Get it? No? Nothing? I was... Okay. Just staring at me. All right, goodbye. <laughs>